Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm New. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed on that online form. How many of you guys are ready uh, for this time of year to finally get here, right? I mean, as crazy as 2020 has been, I think Christmas is being welcomed more than ever by so many people. In fact, over the summer, there were reports of people putting out their Christmas lights just to add some joy to the neighborhoods during all the COVID shutdowns, you know? And for the first time ever, like for me, I started listening to Christmas music the day after Halloween. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I like most about this time of year, especially at Christmas, is receiving Christmas cards. Nowadays, Christmas cards are usually photos of your family, but there's still some traditional cards that get sent out there every so often too, right? And every card is, is different, but the message still leaves you feeling the exact same way. You feel loved, right? My oldest son, he loves to get the mail, and it's just one of those things he really enjoys when Christmas comes especially, and he gets more excited when Christmas cards come in the mail, and he's eager to open up each card and to read it, and well, he can't read, but, but to listen to it. You know, he's only four. Um, but the, you know, the message and the design and the pictures, he loves all that kind of stuff. In fact, every card for him really is kind of like a gift in itself. Well, over the next few weeks here at Radiant, we're going to get into a series of talks called Christmas Cards that will unpack the story of God's gift to humanity. So each week, we're going to take a look at some key people in what's known as the Christmas story. That's the story of Jesus' birth. And today, we're going to start with one of the most key, who I would say the most key person, right, in the story, Mary. Now, to get Mary's part of the story, we really need to take a look at a, a book called Luke. So if you're not familiar with the life of Christ, maybe you're not familiar with the Bible very much at all, the life of Jesus is told through four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Think of these books as puzzle pieces. They tell similar and yet different aspects of Jesus' story, which when you put them all together, you get the full picture. And so Matthew and Luke have what's known as the Christmas story. Matthew's going to focus on Joseph and the wise men. Luke is going to take the story of Mary and the shepherds. And so Luke starts us off with a scene which is just absolutely wild. In fact, Mary is going about her day doing her thing when all of a sudden out of nowhere, this angel just appears. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Now, let me stop here for a moment and put some legs to the intro that Luke gives here for you, okay? So Elizabeth, whom Luke's going to mention at the start, he, she's Mary's older cousin who, you know, could not have kids. In fact, we'll read a little bit more about Elizabeth here in, in, in a little while, but her experience, she experiences a miracle of of her own when she becomes pregnant and gives birth to a very important figure who's going to come out later in the life of Christ, Jesus' cousin named John the Baptist. But Mary, she's somewhere in this passage between 15, or 14 and 16 years old, okay? And Joseph, whom she's contractually engaged to, is anywhere from 20 to 50 years old. That's a big age range, I know. But in ancient history, that's pretty common. So I want to get to how engagements were set up next week when we talk about Joseph. But for right 
right now, um, just know that it wasn't exactly romantic, <laughs> all right? There's a bridal price and all kinds of things which take place to make this sort of thing happen. The fact that Luke, though, mentions Joseph is from the line of King David, that's actually pretty important. Some of you guys who are watching or listening right now, you may not know a lot about the Bible, but I bet you've heard the story of David and Goliath, right? Most of us are familiar with it. We're familiar at least with the concept of the story, which is the underdog takes down the overwhelming favorite, you know? Well, David, he's one of Israel's greatest kings, and there were numerous prophecies in the Old Testament that spoke of the Savior coming from David's line. You can't be the Savior, or the Jewish term is Messiah. You can't be the Messiah or the Savior without being a descendant of David. That's really important. That one of the names that is going to be used for Christ during his public ministry is the title Son of David. So let's keep going. I got an idea now of who Mary is. Verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Hey, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel can mean by that. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus, and he'll be very great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. See, there's the, the connection again, right? And he'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never in. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's conceived a son and is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. So I grew up in church, and I, I've heard this story a, a million different times. You know what I've never heard asked about this story? I've never heard somebody ask this question. What if Mary freaked out, <laughs> right? Like, what if she freaked out? Sometimes I think we read the Bible, and we think everybody was just perfect. They were holy and pious and never got unnerved by anything, and they always knew what to say and how to say it. And we form this almost idyllic picture of every important person in Scripture. And part of what cements that, that feeling we get sometimes is listening to the same stories over and over again to the point where they just don't move us anymore and we just don't think critically. That's one of the dangers, by the way, of being a Christian for a long time. You get so used to the stories and the experiences that it's kind of become dull and routine. You have to guard against that. And one of the ways you do that is by praying for God to open His Word up to you. You know, ask God to bring you something out of these stories you haven't seen or thought of before because I'm telling you, something which speaks to every person in every situation in every season it's found in God's Word, okay? But let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes here for a moment. Can we do that? So she's a teenager. We said she's between 14 and 16 years old, probably. She's almost certainly by herself, and out of the blue, this angel appears. Now, we have no idea what Gabriel looks like, but we know from Scripture, angels are freaks, okay? They got multiple heads and eyes and wings and all that kind of stuff. Some are really big. Some got battle armor. Uh, they're a diverse bunch, and whatever the case, might be, we know in most instances the first thing an angel says is, don't be afraid, which tells me the very sight of them is enough to scare the pants off you, okay? And then she's told she's going to have a baby. Not just any baby, you know, hey, you're going to have God's son. No big deal, man, <laughs> right? No big deal. The son of God, you can do that. How do you raise God's son? <laughs> you know, how do you do that? How do you discipline the son of God? Does, does he get put in time out? Can you spank God's kid? Like, mind you, she doesn't realize 
dies, that Jesus will grow up and literally be perfect and never sin. She's told he'll be holy, but that just means he's going to be sacred and set apart in God's eyes. She's not aware that he'll become like every parent's dream kid. This whole experience, though, has to be overwhelming for her. I'm sure it was. I mean, you know, think about it. None of this had ever happened before. It had never happened to her, and it's never happened since. So, Will, wouldn't you feel a little bit uneasy if you were put in Mary's shoes? Now, throw in the world she's living in right now. We don't draw a lot of attention to this, but Israel's part of the mighty Roman Empire at this time, which is somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C. Our election was pretty divisive. Some would argue it's we're in a relatively unstable political environment. You know, I guess, uh, which in the short history of American politics, I guess is saying something. But in this day, boy, what we're going through is nothing compared to Mary's world. This is a walk in the park. In Mary's world, there's constant violent unrest. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, we read about a guy named Quirinius, who's the governor in the, uh, of the area. And he gives a Roman census. And Mary and Joseph, that's why they go to Bethlehem. Well, the Bible alludes to this in Acts chapter 5, but doesn't give the same amount of detail as other ancient texts do. But a guy named Judas, he rises up against this decree with a failed revolt. He's from Galilee, which guess where Mary is from, right? And many people believe that he might have been the prophesied Messiah. Well, he wasn't. And his nationalism and his revolt, it's, it, it failed, but it spurred an entire movement known as the Zealots. When Jesus selects 12 apostles, one of those guys will come from that movement, a man named Simon the Zealot, okay? So the world that Mary's in, it's violent, it's unstable, there's revolts, all that kind of stuff. Stuff. And, and there's more. Because remember, Mary's contractually engaged to Joseph, which meant there's real money, there's resources involved in all this. Not only does her family lose out on the bridal price that Joseph would have paid, but she's also supposed to be executed according to Jewish law for infidelity. So if you're Mary, how do you explain to the people that, you know, you just magically became pregnant without sleeping with anybody? You think anyone's even going to buy that, right? I mean, like, I, I don't think Mary was calm or serene or very well put together. When all this news came from Gabriel, I think she started to freak out just a little bit, right? In fact, Luke gives us a clue. Verse number 29, we read that she was confused and disturbed, right? Uh, but what does Mary not do? She doesn't run. Mary didn't run. That's what I want to focus on today. You know, when God presents opportunities to us, we all have the same choice Mary had. We can respond or we can run. More specifically, it boils down to this question, do we trust God or not? And that's a question you're going to have to answer constantly throughout your lifetime. If you're somebody who wouldn't necessarily call themselves a Christian, you know, you're having to decide right now if you trust God enough to make the move to follow Him or not, right? If you're a Christian, you're asking if you're going to trust God in all the different situations which will pop up. Up in your life, and there will be many. You know, what I've learned over the years is that when we're faced with an opportunity to trust God, we oftentimes kind of freak out a little bit. And generally, if we freak out, it's because we either don't fully trust Him after all, or we don't trust this opportunity is actually from Him. And the truth is, there are some really crazy, big, outlandish things that God's going to call us to do, which have a second and third and even fourth guessing, is it really God or not? Trust becomes a big factor, yet every single one of us, Christian or not, has to answer the question regardless, will I trust God? Will I really trust God for my whole life? See, sometimes we, we have options to do that, right? But you know what? Sometimes we, we don't. Sometimes God puts us in situations that we didn't ask for, and the only way out is to trust Him. Think about Mary for a moment. Mary did not get a choice, right? She didn't get a choice, did she? God sends Gabriel to tell her what will happen to her. He doesn't ask her, hey, Mary, it's okay. Like, 
She, he didn't do that. She's told what's going to happen. She's told what to name her son. She's told what her son will grow up to be. Like there's not much of a choice here on her part. God doesn't always give us options. But part of following Christ, part of following God here, okay, is learning that God's will for our lives, what it is, and then aligning ourselves and bringing ourselves into that will, right? So Mary understood God's will for her to have this baby. So she resigned herself and aligned herself to obey and follow God. All of us at some point or another are going to have to face opportunities where we must decide if we're going to obey God, sure, but also trust Him. Mary didn't, she didn't hesitate to obey. You look at verse number 38. She says, I'm the Lord's servant, right? And that supports that conclusion right there. And I think the issue that she grappled with here wasn't obedience, but was trust. Earlier I said that she might have been freaking out a little bit in verse number 29, you know, where she was confused and disturbed. Um, what does it come on the heels of? Right after the angel says, hey, you're highly favored and God is with you, you know? Trust. Does she trust God? Does she believe that God's actually favoring her? What's so special about her, right? Does she, she didn't come from a wealthy family. She doesn't come from an important family. She may not have been the most beautiful woman in town. What was so special about Mary? Why did God choose her? We, we don't know. But I'm sure she was asking herself the same questions, right? You know, the great thing about God is that He doesn't show favoritism. It's not based on merit or class or works. We can't earn God's favor. We can't buy it. We're just, we're given God's favor as a gift. But what about trusting in God? You know, what, 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 what was trusting God like? Did Mary believe and trust that God would stick with her through all the difficulty that would lay ahead? It's a mixed up world she's in. It's violent. It's crazy. But there will definitely be hard days ahead and tough conversations she's got to have with her family, with Joseph, with people in her town. You know, she can obey God, but does she trust that God will be with her? See, you can obey people, but not trust them. You know, you can obey your supervisor at work, but not trust them. You can obey your spouse, but not trust him or her. You can obey the government, but not trust it, right? You can obey and not trust. And a lot of folks will obey God, but they struggle to trust God. They'll say like, hey, you know what? I'm with you, God. I got it. But then they want to hold on to the reins a little bit. They can't let go. And I think for many of us, it's because, you know, we have this sense of control that we find comforting. It's one thing if we screw things up, right? But it's another if we suffer because we trusted somebody else else and they messed everything up. That need to control our own destiny, even after committing to obey God, that's what can hold us back from taking part in some really incredible experiences. Now, there are so many different examples I, I, I could pull from my own life about trusting in God, but I want to share with you, you know, something that's more personal here today, if I could, about what I went through many years ago as I was finishing up my undergrad at the University of South Carolina. So, I always wanted to be an attorney. That's what I wanted to do. I had LSAT scores and applications filled out. I was ready for law school. I literally was months away from graduation. And I felt God lead me away from law school and towards pastoral ministry. Now, that's a really big shift. And I would be lying if I didn't tell you I wasn't freaking out because <laughs> I was. Uh, I had no idea how to explain this to my parents. I had no idea if I was cut out for that kind of life. I, I, it wasn't something I wanted to do. It, it was entirely unknown. I didn't have parents or grandparents or close relatives who were in pastoral ministry. So when I knew without a doubt that God was calling me to do this, I just, I did freak, all right? 
I was overwhelmed. But I chose to obey God. And more importantly, I chose to trust God. In every step that I've taken, and, and since I've been married, that my wife and I have taken, every new season and phase of our lives, it's required obedience, but more importantly, it's required greater amounts of trust. The greater the dream, the greater the trust. It was a big step to go from law school to seminary, but I trusted God. We made a big step to move from our first staff position in Columbia, where we were comfortable, to Nashville, where we didn't know a single soul, but we trusted God with our, our, our step in ministry. We, we could take the step to become campus pastors at a church of 27 people in Charleston because we trusted God with the move to Nashville. And then six years later, when that church had gone to multiple services and was impacting hundreds of families in our community, we could take the step to leave and start a brand new church right here in Seneca, Radiant Church, because we trusted God with the move to that smaller campus before. See, as you learn to trust God with each small step, it leads to bigger steps, which require greater trust, but often they result in greater reward. Could there have been a greater opportunity with greater reward and trust than what Mary was facing? I mean, could there have been one that tops that? She had the honor and privilege of raising the Son of God, right? You know, who would take away the sins and wrongs of every person who would seek a new start through him. But she didn't have to, you know, trust God, right? She could have looked the other way. She could have looked at different options. She could have argued. She could have threatened not to go through with this. But Mary does none of those things. And instead of trusting in herself and choosing what would have been the wrong path if she did that, right? She chooses to trust in God. And her life is led down the right path God had for her. Proverbs 3, 5 tells us this, that if we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and depend on not our understanding, but on God's, if we seek His will, He'll show us which path to take, right? You know, if God can create humans out of dirt, you ever thought about this? Don't you think He can take care of whatever situation you're facing, right? You know, Christians, we, we trust God with eternity. We trust God to save us and to forgive us of our wrongs, but we struggle to trust God with our finances, and we struggle to trust God with our jobs and our families, like you name it. There are so many different options and so many different paths to take. Each one's vying for, you know, our attention. And maybe part of why we struggle to trust God is because we want to see the whole picture for ourselves, right? You know, but often God doesn't operate that way. He usually hands us one piece of the puzzle, one piece at a time, you know? One of the most frustrating things about a puzzle is, is especially the really good ones with like a thousand pieces, two thousand pieces, is finding a piece that looks like it'll fit in the right spot only to discover that it doesn't fit. And unless you trust God to direct you on the right path, you're going to spend untold amounts of time trying to jam a piece that doesn't fit into a place you think that makes the most sense. You're going to choose the wrong path. So here's Mary. This teenage girl, she's face to face with an angel being told that she'll give birth to the Son of God. She's unnerved. She's freaking out a little bit, right? At least. She's choosing, though, to obey God. She'll follow through with this plan. She'll trust in God as well. And that trust will get put to the test over and over and over again in her life. When Herod sends his soldiers to execute all the boys under the age of two in that small village called Bethlehem, Mary will trust in God. When Jesus is discovered as a 12-year-old teaching priests and scribes in the temple, and they're all kind of amazed by it, she trusts in God. When the Jewish leadership arrests Jesus and he's falsely accused in a kangaroo court and he's beaten and ridiculed, she trusts in God. When he's walking the lonely road to a hill, the Romans called the skull. He's unrecognizable. He's bloodied. He's nearly dead. She doesn't understand, and her heart breaks, but she still trusts in God. 
And I wonder today if you trust in him too. Like what puzzle piece has God given you? Do you trust him even though you can't see the big picture? Do you trust him to lead you down the right path? Has he shown you something? Is he calling you to go somewhere or leading you to embrace a role which has you a little bit freaked out? Are you holding on to the reins, trying to still be in control of your life, obey God, but trusting in you at the same time? Do you trust God with your life? Maybe you can't say you trust him with your life yet but you feel that pull to give it a shot. It's almost as if it feels that it's the right thing to do, right? To put your life into God's hands. And I want to help you if that's you today, take that step. In fact, it's very easy. We're just going to say a prayer that asks Christ to be, you know, the Savior, meaning He's going to forgive us of our sins, and then our Lord, where He will guide and direct our lives. And I want to pray for those of you who are Christians today that are struggling with trusting in God, that you'll be like Mary. That even though you don't know the full picture, in all the details, even though you feel more comfortable holding on to the reins, maybe, that you will let go, that you will trust in God, that you will follow Him, and allow that trust to take you to places that maybe you never thought you would go, into roles you never thought you'd step into, into experiences and adventures, man, that God has for you that would never have happened if you hadn't said yes to trusting in Him today. So first, we're going to pray for those of you who are going to commit yourself to trusting in God for the very first time. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to simply start this prayer, and we're going to ask Jesus to forgive us of our wrongs. It's the whole reason he came. You know, he was born to die. You ever, you ever think about that before? Like, he's, we celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas, but really he's born to die for our sin, to die for our wrongs. We're going to ask him to forgive us of our wrongs. We're going to ask him to give us a brand new start. And then we're going to say, Jesus, my life is in your hands. I'm not going to call the shots anymore. I'm not going to try to lead. I want to give it over to you. That's surrendering ourselves to Christ, making him Lord. So let's go ahead and start with that uh, prayer today, if that's you. And, you. and you just want to say, Pastor, I'm ready to trust in God for the first time today. So, Father, I thank you for your son. This great time of year of Christmas that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, Lord, I pray for those who are saying today, I need to trust in God for the very first time. Maybe they haven't done it before, but today, God, they're saying, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I pray that, that you would first begin to cleanse them of their wrong. Now is the time where you say, that's you. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for the wrongs that I've done. And God, as they're asking you to forgive them, I pray you would cleanse them. You'd give them a brand new start. That God, you would set the record straight for them. Glory, hit the reset button on their lives, I pray. The Bible tells us that we are a new creation when we commit ourselves to you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would start everything over brand new inside of them forgiving them of all of their wrongs. And Father, I pray that your Son will become Lord of their lives. Now is the time where we say, Jesus, my life is not my own. I'm giving it over to you. I'm surrendering my life to you. I am not trusting in me, right? I'm trusting in you. And Lord, as they're asking you to be Lord of their lives, and they're surrendering their lives over to you, and they're saying, God, I'm not going to call the shots anymore. God, I'm not going to try to lead. I'm going to let go of the reins. I'm not going to control things. I'm going to trust in you. Father, as they do that, I pray that you would stir something exciting inside of them, Lord, that you would just breathe new life into them. And I pray, Lord, that they would have this assurance today that, hey, they are now placing their life in your hands, and they are now part of the kingdom of God, Lord.
and the, and the reward and the promise of trusting in you belongs to them here today. And so, Father, I thank you for what you're going to do inside of them. Give them an opportunity, Lord, and a platform to tell people, especially this wonderful holiday season, God, how much you've forgiven them and what it means to have a life that's surrendered following after you. I just pray you would use them in a powerful way. God, for those Christians that are out there who just say, Lord, I'm struggling with trusting you right now. They, you know, they're already followers of Christ, but they're just struggling to trust. It's hard to trust in you. You, you, you. you call us to some pretty big things sometimes, things that seem outlandish, things that seem crazy, things that nobody else would want to do. And yet, Lord, we need to make sure that we follow through in trusting in you, even if the steps are big, knowing that the, the, you know, the greater the trust, the greater the reward, right? And, and I just pray, Lord, this morning or this afternoon or whatever they happen to be watching, I just pray that, that these individuals here, that you would just give that trust uh, to them, Lord. They, they, they trust their hearts and their souls over to you, God. They trust you with their families, their finances. Trust you, God, with their jobs. Trust you, God, with whatever the dreams or visions you've placed in their heart might be. Trust them, Lord. I pray that as, they, as they trust in you, God, with those things, you would build their confidence up, build their assurance up, I pray, Lord. And I just ask, God, that you would use them in a powerful and mighty way. May they be like Mary, not knowing all the details, you know, not knowing the big picture. There's a lot of questions, but still, no matter what, resign themselves, not just to obey you, God, but to trust in you, but to trust in the Son of God. Thank you for what you're going to do in their hearts and their souls, Lord. Thank you for the people they're going to impact and how they're going to touch folks' lives for you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you pray that. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.